Ekanda mama mama shatari beke se karabasha tararabo sonto. Oh, hallelujah. How y'all doing this afternoon? There we go. Come on. Hallelujah. You may be seated. You may be seated. Turn my mic down a tad bit. Hallelujah. Turn it down so I can bring it up. Glory. Appreciate that. Let's get into the word for the day, see what Abba has to say. Kirby was up here preaching, okay. I almost said, brother, just go ahead. Just go ahead. Because he was talking about what I'ma talk about. So uh, we're still in, uh, in a series, Suffer to Rain. Suffer to Rain. How many of y'all been saying, ouch? It's been hurting you, hitting you in the gut? Pretty good? Good, 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 good. Uh, we're still on a series, Suffer to Rain, Suffer to Rain. Uh, our teaching on today, the title of it will be called The Glorified Life. The Glorified Life. The Glorified Life. Uh, our title scripture is 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 12. It reads, if we suffer, if, if. Okay, once the moment the suffering starts to happen, we can withdraw and decide not to suffer. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. Okay, the Bible says that we are seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. If we suffer with him, we can reveal that glory. If we don't suffer with him, we can't reveal the glory. We can't reveal his name. We can say that we're his children, but in our actions, it's going to come out. In conflict, it's going to come out. Amen? When I don't feel like it, it's going to come out. When somebody touch my flesh in a wrong way, it's going to come out. So if we suffer, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. So we can deny suffering. We can refuse to go through anything. I refuse to bring a gospel to y'all in which nothing's going to happen to you. You're going to be all right. God got it. No, he needs to test and see is God there. Am I, am I living in you, or, and, are you and are you living for me? Versus a Christianity or a sonship or a relationship in which he does everything, you do nothing. In which he's going to protect you and you ain't nobody going to be able to say nothing about you. Ain't nobody going to ever be able to do anything to you. It don't work like that. You have to have an option so that we can know if you're suffering with him or you're denying him. To reign means that we will reign or we will rule together to possess supreme honor, say honor, honor. liberty, and blessedness. Now, we're going to talk more about the blessedness in a, in a future message. It's just, this stuff is just, it's just too plentiful. Every time I go to study, I'd be like, good Lord. I mean, because the blessedness that we receive from the Father is our, actually our inheritance. It's actually him releasing our inheritance based on our maturity level. And the things that come up against you, they just come to see, are you mature enough to receive this? Power, riches, wisdom, strength, glory, honor, blessings. It belongs to us. The lamb was slain before the foundation of the world for us to receive this. He was slain before the foundation of the world. Before you were born, you were thought about, before your mother and your father met, before he was slick, Willie spitting that game. <laughs> this was already. 
before your mama stepped out of that dress and called daddy attention, it was already written. The lamb was already slain before the foundation of the world. Before you were born, he said, I got an inheritance, you, an inheritance for you. That's why you are predestined. He predetermined you will be blessed. You will be holy and blameless before him. He predestined that you will be adopted, that you will be his child. He predetermined this. All you got to do is accept it and walk in it. It's just about accepting it and walking in it. To suffer means to persevere under misfortune and trials, holding fast to the faith in Christ. Holding fast to that DNA that's in me, that seed that is in me. He's in me. His love, his joy, his peace, his strength is in me. We talked about last Sunday about living inside out instead of outside in. You have to know, the Bible says in Philemon uh, um, chapter 1, verse 6, that, that faith is made effective through the knowledge, through me acknowledging every good thing that is in me for Christ's sake. Once I know peace is there, I can't let you disrupt that. You disrupting the God in me. I can't let you disrupt my love. I can't let you have me with a tainted heart towards anybody. You can't disrupt that. I'm not going to live outside in. I heard your comments. I see how you feel about me, how you think about me, but I'm holding my position of agape. Regardless, it don't matter. I'm reading this book. I know my wife ain't going to let me say it, but please know. Okay. Kirby introduced me to it, so. That's all Kirby fought. It means to remain. It means to abide, not to recede or flee. It means to endure, to bear bravely, and watch this, calmly. Wake me up in a storm. I'm going to shut it down. I sleep in storms. I'm not up all night worrying about nothing. I go to sleep because I'm a child. I let the father take care of that. If it's out of my hands, it's out of my hands. There's nothing I can do about it. So what I do is I let the father take care of it. That's why Jesus said, learn of me. For I am meek and I am lowly of heart. If you learn from me, you will see that I empty myself out and I allow the father to do it. I only do what my father tells me to do. I only, the son can only do what he see, what he hear. That's why he was telling the disciples, he said, look, don't listen to the Pharisees. Beware of the, 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 the uh, leaven of the Pharisees and of Herod. He said, beware that you don't get caught in religiousness and be, care you don't, be careful you don't get caught in government stuff. That's not the kingdom that you, I need you to represent. So the title of today's teaching, once again, is The Glorified Life. A life where we bring glory to his name and not ours. Because you're going to be put in some predicaments where somebody's going to say something to you and you have an option. Reveal his name or reveal yours. You got an option. <laughs> John chapter 12, verse 27 and 28. This is Jesus talking in the Garden of Gethsemane. He said, now my soul is troubled. Why is his soul troubled? Because he didn't live this life unto his father. But now this next step, he's going to need some strength to endure this, to pick up this cross, to take these crown of thorns, to endure the mockings, them ripping his clothes off. So he says, now my soul is troubled. What should I say? Father, save me from this hour. He said, what should I say? Save me from this hour. Should I say that? What should I say? My soul is troubled. I'm going through some situations where I don't want to endure this right now. What should I say? Should I say, save me, Father, from this hour? But th that is why I came to this hour. He said, I was born for this. This is why you put me here. 
I want to say save me, remove me from it, but what if he put you here just for that? I told you, somebody gave me a book years ago. I never read the book. I never read the book. I just seen the, the title of the cover. It said, why not me? He said, why not me? That's why I told Kirk it was all in my message. He said, why not me? Not why me. Not the victim mentality of why I got to go through this. Why I got to go through that. Why not me? If he chose me and said, son, I think you're strong enough to endure that. So I'm going to put you through this. Daughter, I'm going to allow you to go through that because you're strong enough. Where others would quit, where others would faint, where others would quit, I can depend on you. Why not me? Why come I can't be the chosen vessel? Or do I just want to be the vessel to receive blessings and money and notoriety? I just want the car and the house. That's all I want. I don't want you to squeeze life out of me. I don't want you to put any pressure on me. I just want to sit back in my life a lap in luxury and be you and not be used until it, until it, it, it's a, it's a, it brings status or fame to my name. That's not the glorified life. That's a life in which you glorify yourself. Verse 28, he said, Father, glorify your name. Father, glorify your name. Say it with me. Father, glorify your name. Don't glorify my name. Glorify your name. When he's talking about name, he means everything that you can possibly think of when you think of him. Honor, dignity, integrity, love, peace, joy. Splendor, brilliance, wisdom. He said, glorify his name. Then a voice came from heaven and said, I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. What he is saying is, up until this point, you have glorified me. But this next step, I'm going to continue to glorify you. I'm going to continue to use you. Because up until, we are here he in the Garden of Gethsemane. This is pre-cross. It can all go wrong, and we'll be still stuck in Adam. And his attitude is, it's not, why me? Why you ain't use Moses? Why you ain't use Elijah? Why you ain't use John? What about Peter? The glorified life is about revealing Abba's name, his kingdom, his glory. It is to, to glorify is to make renown, to render illustrious, meaning he wants you to make his name famous. He wants the world, he wants to look down at you and see his child and say, you know how they say, the apple don't fall far from the tree. He wants to be able to say that about you. The glorified life. It means to cause the dignity and worth of some person or thing to be made manifest. So he wants you to cause the dignity and the worth of him to be made manifest. It means that we have to establish his name. Watch this. In and through any situation. So the situation that you could be possibly going through or you will be going through will be the canvas for the father to paint a picture of an obedient son, a, 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 a child that has a, that's living a glorified life, or a child that refused, that denies him. It's the situation. Paul said, whatever situation you put me in, I'm content. No food, content. Shipwrecked, content. In jail, content. Oh boy, oh boy. He wants to prove that he is in you, that his divine nature is in you, that the DNA is there. He wants to prove it. John 15 and seven, 
It says he's talking to his disciples. He says, if you remain in me and my word remains in you, ask whatever you want and it will be done for you. If you remain in me and my word remains in you, ask. If my, you remain in my word and my word remains in you, you can ask for anything. If my word does not remain in you and you don't remain in my word, don't ask me. <laughs> because you can't sustain what I'm about to give you. If you're not remaining in my word and my word is not remaining in you, then you can't handle your destiny. I can't put it in your hands. I can't give you the predestined future that I have for you. Because you won't remain in my word, so my word can't remain in you. Verse 8, my father is glorified by this. Read that again. My father is glorified by this, that you produce much fruit and prove to be disciples. This is how my father is glorified, that you produce much fruit. That somebody pushed the button and fruit come out. Not a candy bar. You a vending machine. <laughs> somebody pushed B12 and a snicker come out. He wants them to be able to push a button and agape come out. He wants to be able to put you through situations and peace comes out. He wants you to be able to go through something and remain faithful. Not because of the situation I'm going through. I ain't reading no Bible this week. I ain't praying this week. I ain't getting on a prayer call. I ain't, going, I ain't doing nothing because of what I'm going through. Your destiny is there, but I can't give it to you because if I give you your destiny in the middle of your destiny, you're going to encounter some stuff and I won't. And what you're going to do, you're going to abandon your destiny. You're going to hit the rock when you should have spoke to it. <laughs> John 17, chapter 17, verse 1. It says, Jesus spoke these things, looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son so that the son may glorify you. Now, we got to use Jesus as our example. He's the only example. Paul ain't our example. Peter ain't our example. I'm not your example. Jesus is our example. Not your mother, your father, your sister, your brother. Not the government. Jesus is the example. He said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son, meaning reveal you in me. So that when you go to put me in a situation to reveal you in me, that I respond and I reveal you. John 17 and 4. Read that. Come on, y'all. Read, read that. Huh. I appreciate y'all. I just wanted y'all to read four, but I love y'all. I love y'all for that. Jesus said, I have glorified you on earth by completing the work you gave me. So I gave you an assignment. I put you here on earth, and you glorified. Jesus said, I glorified you by completing it. But I just didn't complete it. I completed it with the right attitude, with the right heart. With the right motives, I trusted in you during the whole journey. I didn't abandon it. I glorified you by doing what you put me on earth to do. Why were you born? Why are you here? To glorify him by doing what he put you on earth to do. 
in spite of what people say or what people think. Jesus didn't care what the Pharisees said. He didn't care what the Sadducees said. He didn't care what the scribes said. He didn't care that Herod put a hit out on him when he was two. He didn't care. Did Herod cut his brother head, cut his brother head, his cousin head off? He didn't care that his brothers didn't believe in him. That his hometown wouldn't support him. He didn't care. He knew why he was created. He knew that there was an end to this thing. And in the end, he only had to please the Father. Let me tell y'all a secret. One thing, your life is a movie. And if you watch that movie closely, you'll notice that the main two characters that never leave is you and the Father. Other people can come and go. They co-star. They can co-star for an episode, a series, for a moment. But the Father and you, this is the only two. So you got to stay in the, in, the, in the movie that he created for you. And if you want to be in my movie, then you got to play your part. <laughs> you got to play your part. You don't get to come in my movie and take over my, no. He put Jesus, he brought Jesus to earth and he gave him an assignment. And he's letting you know, signing the papers, I finished it. He said, now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world existed. So he said, bring me back to a glorified state. Put me at your right hand, a place of honor where I belong to be, where I belong. The glorified life is a life of making his name known. His honor, his splendor, his brilliance, his wisdom, his dignity, his majesty, his mercy, his excellence, his fruit. The glorified lifestyle reveals him. His name, his kingdom, his household. The name is revealed through us, watch this, by pressure or being pressed out. Who want to bring glory to his name? Good, 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 good. Okay, good. All right, so in order to bring glory to his name, it's going to come through fruit. And those fruit are going to get squeezed until the juice comes out and ain't nothing left but flesh. He wants the juice. The juice ain't for you. It's for other people. Okay, so we have a picture of a wine press. Give me. This is a wine press, okay? Now you have the wine press, you have the wine vat, and then you have aged wine, all right? Now in order for them, you can see the two people. Can you, can you see the two people? That's the people who don't like you, okay? That's your family. Okay, that's religion, that's the government. Okay, that's your enemy, your foes. You see what they're doing? They're stepping on you. They're crushing you. Okay, and you're supposed to allow them to crush you because the father don't mind them crushing you. He wants the wine that is in the vats. So as they crush the wine, the grapes, the vats fill up. The vats fill up. And I know you interested or, or, or you may be against the people crushing you, but the father's not. He wants the wine. He wants the vats full because when the wine is full, two things can happen. One, people can drink from it. Two, it can be, now be aged. So what they would do as the vats filled, they would put them in jars, and they would put the jars away for it to age. New wine ain't good as old wine. Wine that has been aged, when you've been consistent at this life, your wine is aged. It brings more intoxication versus grapes that just been crushed. But if you can't allow yourself to be crushed long enough to produce aged wine, then people would never know. His glory is in you. That was the thing with Jesus and the miracle of turning water to wine. He took something that was very pure, 
But the thing about water is that water is easily contaminated. It can be easily contaminated. He took something that was pure, that can be easily contaminated, and turned it into water, and turned it into wine. And when the attendants drunk it, they said, hold on. Most parties we go to, they use the good stuff first. All right, they use the, the good stuff first, and then they bring the, the, the dull stuff out later. He said, but y'all saved the best wine. They didn't know they was drinking wine from heaven. They was drinking wine of a suffering son, of an obedient child, of an of a, a, a obedient child. Jesus lived to bring glory. He lived to make wine so that others could get drunk. This is your life. Love is going to be pressed out until people say, people know that brother just love everybody. You're going to go through stuff in your personal destiny, in life, in which when it's all said and done, we're going to call you faithful. <laughs> You're going to go through so much stuff that people are going to be like, how you got so much peace? He said there's a peace that surpasses all understanding. Okay, but that it has to be crushed out of you. Somebody got to step on you, talk about you. They got to run your name through the mud. They got to dislike you, turn their back on you. You need. It has to happen. So that's why you're here today. And all this week, your vats will be getting filled. that will be getting filled. Everything you go through, all he wants to see is, do you think like me? Okay, let's go through this again. I'm gonna have them walk in there and they're gonna shrug you off and they're gonna care nothing about you and this time, I don't want you to sit at your computer cussing them out in your head half the day. They're going to disown you. They're not going to call you. And I want, you, I want your mind to stay clear and focused. Amen. Bible says even Jesus' brothers didn't believe in him. He, he had feelings. <laughs> he had feelings. It wasn't like he was a, a God and he didn't have no human feeling. He had feelings. The Bible says that we don't have a high priest. They cannot be touched by the feelings of infirmity. But at all points, he was tempted as we are. I told you he was tempted to slap somebody. He was tempted to slap somebody. He wanted to slap the Pharisees. Shut up. Don't say another word. They spitting on him. You saved everybody else. Why you can't save yourself? Now, let's look at the apostles that he trained. Who said, oh? <laughs> he said, oh. <laughs> Acts chapter 5, verse 12. <clears throat> and it reads, it says, Many signs and wonders were being done along, among the people through the hands of the apostles. They were all together in Solomon's colonnade. No one else dared to join them, but the people spoke well of them. Believers were added to the Lord in increasing numbers, multitudes of both men and women. As a result, they would carry the sick out to the street and lay them on the cots and mats so that Peter came by. When Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. Verse 16, in addition... A multitude came together from towns surrounding Jerusalem, say the suburbs, okay, bringing the sick and those who were tormented by unclean spirits, and they were healed. So now the apostles are just doing the work of Jesus. They just doing ministry work. They're doing what they were called to. They got miracles. They got signs and wonders. They carried the sick out into the street. They placed them on it 
on the cots and mats. Multitudes came around to see them because of what they were doing in his name. Not in their name, in his name. It says that all were healed from sickness and being tormented by evil spirits. Then the turmoil came. Verse 17. It says, then the high priest rose up, he and all who were with him, who belonged to the party of the Sadducees. It says they were filled with jealousy. So they're filled with the spirit doing the work of the father. And then they got these religious folks over here who fill with jealousy. Verse 18. So they arrested the apostles and put them in public jail. For what? What did they do to deserve jail? Verse 19, but an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail during the night and brought them out and said, go and stand in the temple and tell the people all about this life. Huh. So they work for the kingdom, so the kingdom works for them so they can continue to work for the kingdom. So they go to jail. It didn't say they prayed. It didn't say they fasted. It didn't say after 10 hours of tongues, the angel appeared. They went to jail, and the angel came and opened the doors during the jail at night and brought them out and said, go stand in the temple, and I need you to tell people about this life. This life in Christ, this glorified life, I need you to go out and I need you to tell them. Why? Because everything the Father does, he does for his name's sake. He don't do it for your name's sake. If he heal you, it's going to be for his name's sake. If he use you, it's going to be for his name's sake. It's never going to be to make your name. It's always for his name's sake. Now, watch the obedience of the apostles because obedience is what makes you effective. The angel pulled them out of jail and said, go. Stand in the temple. He didn't say on the corner. He didn't say, go home, take a break, because y'all went to jail. Y'all really deserve some time off. <laughs> he said, go, stand in the temple, and I don't want you to tell people what you've been through. I don't want you to go to the temple and tell everybody how you had to go to jail just for preaching the gospel, and you ain't do nothing wrong. No, go and tell in the temple, stand and tell them about this life. Amen. Okay, verse 21. It says, hearing this, they enter the temple at daybreak and begin to teach. Obedience, right? It says, when the high priest and those who were with him arrived, they convened the Sanhedrin, the full council of the Israelites, and sent orders to the jail to have them brought. So they in a little meeting, little religious meeting, and they sent them and said, hey, go get them people that we put in jail. Verse 22, it says, but when the servants got there, they did not find them in the jail. So they returned and reported. Verse 23, we found the jail securely locked with the guards standing in front of the door. <laughs> but when we opened them, we found no one inside. That's a problem. Especially in that time, they about to kill everybody who they think could be conspiring with them. They ain't thinking about no miracles. This must be God. They about to kill them guards. It says, as the captain of the temple police and the chief priests heard these things, they were baffled about them, wondering what would come from this. Verse 25. Someone came and reported to them, look. The men who you put in jail are standing in the temple and teaching the people. They back on their post, obedient to the Father. And like I continue to tell you, he didn't give them a month off. Because you know how we are. We go through any little thing, we think we deserve time. 
Forget the mission. I need to rest my corns. No. Right back on their post. Verse 26, it says, Then the commander went with the servants and brought them in without force because they were afraid the people might stone them. Why was they afraid? One, religion is always worried about what people think. All right, God's shit, we don't worry about what people think. We can care less. It don't matter. What did he say? We don't need no public opinions. We don't, we don't, need, we don't need no vote. What did he say? His word is forever settled in heaven. What did he say do? Okay, and they did this because the influence of their teaching had caught on, and it was better than theirs. So they thought to themselves, if we touch these people who have liberated these people, they might stone us. So what are we going to do? We're going to do this thing real quietly. Verse 27, it says, after they brought them in, they had them stand before the Sanhedrin, lined them up, and the high priest asked. It don't sound like he asked. He said, didn't we strictly order you not to teach in this name? I don't sound like he asked. I sound like he told. Okay? I sound like he demanded. Didn't we tell you this? Didn't we tell you what not to do, although you're called by God? You got your mission from heaven, from the Father, but we're telling you what to do. Look, they said, you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Peter and the apostles replied. What did they say? Like zombies, we must obey God rather than people. We must obey God rather than people. You better get that in your system. You better get that in your spirit. They were trained by Jesus, evidence. We must do what the Father said, not what people say. Learn of me, meek and lowly of heart. Verse 30, it said, the God of our ancestors raised up Jesus, whom you had murdered by hanging him on a tree. You know they're hot now. God exalted this man to the right hand as ruler and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. Verse 32, we are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. Verse 33, it says, when they heard this, they were enraged and wanted to kill them. Why do they want to kill them? Just for having church? This is normal evangelism. They wanted to kill them for evangelizing. They wanted to kill them because, like I told you last week, their words from heaven was killing their religious status. People were about to stop coming to their church, which means it's going to mess up their ties. <laughs> Messing with our offering. Verse 34. But, the, but a Pharisee named Gamil, a teacher of the law who was respected by all the people, stood up in the Sanhedrin and ordered the men to be taken outside for a while. We got business to do. He said to them, men of Israel, be careful about what you are about to do to these men. Some time ago, Thaddeus rose up claiming to be someone, and a group of about 400 men rallied to him. He was killed, and all his followers were dispersed and came to nothing. After this, after this man, Judas of Galilee, rose up in the days of the census and attracted a following. He also perished, and all his followers were scattered. So, verse 38, in the present case, I tell you, stay away from these men and leave them alone. He was in the spirit. He was a Pharisee, but he was in the spirit right there. He said, for if this plan or this work is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. This is a Pharisee talking. You will not be able to overthrow them. 
You may even be found fighting against God. They were persuaded by him. <laughs> they took heed to that. Especially after those miracles. It says, after they called in the apostles and had them flogged, they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and release them. Now, you know what? They heard correctly. I know you would think this was disobedient and you would think what is going on because they was in jail, they pulled them out of jail, told them to go back and stand in the temple and teach. They stood in the temple, did exactly what Abba told them to do, okay? Led by the spirit, they get called up by the Sanhedrin council and this time they get flogged. We would think that flogging meant we was out the will of God. We did not hear him right. You know why? Because we don't want to suffer. It said they flogged them. They flogged them. It was funny looking up this word flog. You know, in the Old Testament, it means something. And in today, modern society in America, it means a fake blog. <laughs> I was like, Lord Jesus. <laughs> but a flogging was a beating. Okay, sometimes it was done with a whip, sometimes it was done with a cat of nine tail, sometimes it was done with a stick. And they would beat them on the back, and you can only beat them uh, uh, 39 times. 40 was considered death. So they went to jail, got pulled out of jail, went back into the temple teaching, and for that, they got flogged. They took a beating. And like I said, again, we would think we were out the will of God. It must have not been God because of what happened. <laughs> and embarrassment is a necessary suffering. The father needs to put you through things so that he can see what level of humility you're walking in. If every time he puts, if you're embarrassed in front of man to do what the father told you to do, then you got growing to do. Peter being, uh, Stephen being stoned, look up into heaven. Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. That's a perfect time to let out about six cuss words back to back. These bleeping, bleep, bleep, bleeps need to bleep, 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 bleep. It's the perfect time. But I want you to see how aged wine look. I want you to see how aged wine look because immature wine complain too much. Immature mind don't want to sit there and just be aged. A pastor told me one time, he said, he told me, looking at the landscape of uh, people who came before me, he told me, he said, don't rush your ministry. He said, let it slow cook. When something slow cooks, it tastes better. Then when you flame broil it and you hurry up and the inside ain't done yet. Okay. Verse 41. Here we go. Y'all ready? Y'all ready to repent? Okay. How about y'all over here? Y'all ready to repent? All right. Verse 41. It says, then they went out from the presence of the Sanhedrin rejoicing that they were counted worthy to be treated shamefully on behalf of the name. That's what age wine looked like. They didn't go home and sulk. They didn't bring cap and run when they seen that flog. They took the beating after getting, get, after getting out of jail, after being hated by the entire government. And the scripture said that they rejoiced that they were counted worthy to be treated shamefully. Now, we want power to do miracles, signs, and wonders. 
We want the Holy Spirit to use us to do great and glorious things. Just don't use me to suffer. Can the Holy Spirit, okay, the Holy Spirit teaches, right? Leads, guides, instructs, right? It's an advocate, right? It's a helper. Paracletus. But it's also a comforter. It's also a comforter. It's going to be all right. Just put a Band-Aid on it. This is maturity in suffering. They rejoiced. The wine press, the wine vat, aged. They rejoiced in going to jail. They rejoiced in getting beaten. I'll chew on that for a second. They rejoiced in it. They were happy that they were allowed to go through something for his name's sake. That they were that he actually put them in a situation to show that they were faithful. That he would actually put them in a situation to show that the peace that surpassed all understanding was there. See, you can't be lying about I got joy unspeakable. The joy of the Lord is my strength until when? This seemed like the perfect situation to lose patience. If any other time that we are allowed to withdraw, it should have been right here. Now, I'm only telling y'all that because the Bible says that you have not yet strived against blood. You're quitting because of comments. We, okay, come on. We quitting because somebody don't like us because they didn't return our phone call. We don't want to suffer. But why not me? You can't rejoice until you take that mindset. Why not me? Abba, use me to suffer for your name. Oh, when you do that, the door is going to open for your destiny. The longest you resist it, because he said, if you don't suffer with me, you can't reign with me. We want to reign without suffering. We want to rule. We want to dominate. But we don't want to have any consistency in, his, in, in doing the work, doing the will, unscathed. It don't matter what people say about you. It don't matter what people do to you. It don't matter. Your boss is there to raise you, to train you, to make sure that God's glory is revealed. Stop praying that he move you to another company so you can get a better boss that don't give you such a hard time. It ain't worth clapping. I, I understand. I understand. My hands be on my lap. I look. What, <laughs> Verse forty-two. It said, "Every day in the temple and in various homes, they continued teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah." Every day. It wasn't a Wednesday thing. It wasn't a Sunday thing. It wasn't a schedule. The serve, it was an everyday thing. I told you, the, the Bible says that they enrolled in school for two years. Two years. They went two years every day doing what we do on Sunday and Wednesday. They did this every day. Like I told you, there's nothing you can build during the two days. Have a house built and tell them just work on Wednesday and Sunday. <laughs> This has to be an everyday thing. You have to get in your word every day. You have to practice righteousness every day. This is the life. You are trying to grow into something. We're trying to grow into something. If, this is, if you're saying I'm God's child, then he shouldn't just parent you on certain days. <laughs> it should be an everyday thing. 
the glorified lifestyle. It's a lifestyle where we count it an honor to suffer in his name. Like I told you, this, this, we're talking about jail and a beating. We ain't talking about somebody just saying something about you. We ain't talking about somebody making a comment about your clothes and you change your whole wardrobe up. Because of something somebody said, okay, we got to get to this place where we don't hear strange voices. You just hear his voice. This is the glorified lifestyle. It's a lifestyle where you don't mind revealing him. You look at every situation as a chance and an opportunity to show forth his name, to show forth his glory. Jesus told the disciples, when you pray, pray like this. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. So Jesus said, when you start off praying, acknowledge first that you have a father. The second thing I want you to acknowledge that this day ain't going to go my way. It ain't going to go my way. So I need whatever happens, just let your name be made holy. Let your kingdom come, your will, your intentions, your purpose. Okay? Let's make your name glorious. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. If it's going to be done in earth as it is in heaven, it's going to first be done in you. It's going to be done in you. You are the light of the world. Uh-oh. You are the light of the world. Jesus said, you are the light. You are the salt. A city that is set on a city that is, we're supposed to be a city that is set on a hill for all to see. We are a light. So if people need to know what does a real son of God look like, they should be able to come to you, men. If they want to know what a real daughter of God looks like, they should be able to come to you, daughters. This shouldn't be a hidden thing. Jesus said, I glorify Abba by doing what he put me on earth to do. He said, my life has revealed your name, your kingdom, and your glory. Like I told you, you have yet to strive against blood. You ain't had no real conflict. Just be honest. You haven't had no real conflict. Them brothers was getting hung upside down. They was getting boiled in oil. They was getting their head chopped off. <laughs> Paul got stoned. They took him to the courts of the, the edge of the city, stoned him. His boys came and resurrected him. He went back into the city and started preaching. I don't know what type of kingdom mind the church has come up with this kingdom minded that as long as I got a big house, a couple cars, and a nice account, that I'm kingdom minded. No, that wasn't it. That's not it. A king, a king dies on his throne. <laughs> dies for his kingdom. The only way you can have my kingdom is that you kill me. So, in my closing, how long do you, thought, you think it took them to arrive there? This ain't first day of school. <laughs> okay? This takes time. This takes consistency. You're going to flunk some classes. It's okay. That's what grace is here for. When in the Old Testament, when in the New Testament. That's what grace is there for. Grace is there because you're going to flunk some classes. You're not going to always get it right, and it's okay. It's okay. You got to get that religious stuff out your, out your mind that because you failed, that he don't want you no more, orphan. <laughs> because you're going through this, you must be doing something wrong. No, you're doing stuff right. That's why you're going through that. And the suffering is for what, Kirby? The next level. I want to take you to the next level, but it's going to be based on how you deal with this situation right here. You suffer to reign. 
You, we grow from glory to glory. You got a little glory now. You got a little wine. Ain't going to get nobody drunk. But keep growing until every time you speak, you intoxicate people. I'm not teaching y'all, look, I'm teaching y'all what pulled me out. Okay, I can't speak for nobody. I can speak for what pulled me out. Abandoned by both parents, went through molestation, okay, went through abuse. I'm telling you what pulled me out. Dealt with abandonment. Three of my sisters raped, kidnapped, raped at gunpoint. My family introduced me, told me, here, you 11 years old, you can, you can have sex. My mother, in speaking to me, she's like, you are a miracle. She said, there's no way that you're supposed to be where you are based on the fact that nobody raised you. Everything that I went through was for the purpose of revealing him. I told you, when I started this ministry, he told me, you already bared the cross for this. You already glorified me. You walked out of that situation into what I wanted you to do. Most people could not do that. That's why I'm teaching you stuff that pulled me out. I'm not teaching you nothing from a standpoint I ain't been through nothing. I'm teaching you from a standpoint that this, this is what pulled me out of not having family support, of not having a man to show me what marriage looked like but I still got to face the task and do it. The men I seen punch women in their face. Little boy walking home. See your father walk up to your mother and punch her in the mouth. Groceries everywhere, he just walk off. When you didn't have a man to instill it in you and you only trusted him and when you look at yourself, you can say, he did that. I'm not giving you no word, okay? I'm teaching you what I have been through and what pulled me out. I'm showing you what fruit looked like. A miracle ain't fruit. That's not fruit. Cast out devil, that's not fruit. Show me where you started what you started with and where you are now according to the word. So only thing I can do is teach you, I can only teach you based on what he has given me to teach you, but I'm guaranteeing you this stuff will pick you up. This stuff pulls you out. T.D. Jake said something one time, he said, he said when you build a house, the foundation ain't as deep as when you build a skyscraper. So you got to understand, the, deep, the higher the building, the deeper the foundation has to go. Everything you go through is to build your spiritual muscles. Now, this is the million-dollar question. If the Father used your life in the Bible, would it speak of his glory or of your glory? Right now, just where you are, if he used your life in scripture, you went through this, went through this, went through this, and then at this present moment, would he be able to say that you're living a glorified life or are you living a life that does not glorify him? It's the glorified life. It's a life where you're going to go through stuff. But the stuff that you're going to go through don't mean that he's going to forsake you. It don't mean that he's going to forsake you. It means that he trusts you. Because had I quit and abandoned the predestined purpose, it didn't matter that my mother and my father was on drugs. I'm still predestined. It didn't matter that I grew up in Chicago in the projects. It didn't matter that I was abused. It didn't matter the molestation. None of that stuff matters. 
you still predestined. Just because no one, somebody, no one supported you, it don't matter. You're still predestined. Sometimes people don't need to support you, so you can only have him support you. So when you get there, nobody takes the credit but him. The glorified lifestyle in which he looks at you and say, that's my son and who I am well pleased with. Let us pray.